We're going to hear God's word being read for us now. This is the passage from Mark uh, chapter 10, and Caroline's going to read it for us. Um, The reading today uh, can be found on page 1015 in the Bibles that you've got in front of you. And um, as John just said, it's from Mark chapter 10, um, verses 32 to 45. Jesus again predicts his death. They were on their way up to Jerusalem, with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going to go up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptised? With the baptism I am baptised with. We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, They became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as I said at the start, um, Mike was due to be uh, preaching to you this morning on this passage, um, Mark chapter 10. Um, having picked it up last minute, I'm, uh, I'm leaning heavily actually on a, on a sermon um, of a friend of mine, notes from a, a friend of mine uh, from my previous uh, church as we go. So in the interest of full disclosure, that's what I'm, I'm letting you know. But, you know, it's great that in the providence of God, uh, everything uh, can, be, can be recycled and, <laughs> and, used, and used again. Um, but bearing that in mind, I think uh, I feel even uh, weaker than normal. So uh, let's pray <laughs> and uh, let's just ask for God to do uh, the work that he needs to do with us this morning morning. Father, thank you uh, that your word uh, is a light to our path. And as we think this morning about how our paths need to be illuminated as we understand this area of service and serving um, like your son, uh, we pray that you would work by uh, your spirit in our hearts through your word. Uh, 
uh, and that you would change each one of us, uh, every one of us as a result this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there are times, aren't there, when um, serving together uh, is fun, uh, when, we, you know, when, we, when we serve together. And um, I'm just looking at, oh, no, we're okay. I, <laughs> I don't have any other slides, so just the one, the one slide's fine for those on, online. Sorry. Um, yeah, there are times when serving together is, is fun. Um, I, they, maybe you can think of some examples, things like um, The Fisherman's Tale. You know, we, we all gathered together. It might have been stressful, but there was, a, there was fun involved, and uh, we watched the church uh, transform. You may find it fun, you know, at Christmas time when we're setting up candles, and it, you know, it all feels very festive, and we, we feel that, no, <laughs> there's a few, but we're shoulder to shoulder. We're, in, we're engaged in that. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe for some, maybe for not. Those are sort of one-off things, though, aren't they? And, and they, they, sort of, um, they sort of spike our interest. The more sort of mundane, week by week, um, hour by um, hour acts of service to others um, are not really a prospect, are they, that, that appeal uh, to most of us um, as, we, as we think about that. You know, we, we want to be served, uh, if we're honest, and, and if, we, if we do something for other people, then um, we want the kind of recognition that comes from that, or just you know the, the credit, uh, the, you know credit where credit's due. We might say, but um, we, we so often just want to be uh, to, to, to be served, and if we do serve, we want recognition for it. Those of us, however, who call ourselves Christians, uh, should not be in in any nature of uh, in any doubt about the nature of the man that we claim to, to serve. I use that word. Deliberately, man, the God man, yes, but the man who we claim to serve and we claim to follow. We're going to be baptizing Idy and, and Debbie later on, and, and as, as we think about uh, the stand that they are making, we also need to think about ourselves and the stand that we make um, as, as Christians, as we follow the God man, uh, Jesus. You know, we follow a man who is way more powerful than any of the elected politicians we know about. Uh, any of the unelected kings and dictators, any of them, like from the start of history uh, to now, all rolled up, all into one, <laughs> the man that we follow, the God-man we follow, is way more powerful than all of those combined. No human has ever had the power that Jesus had, and yet, and yet, <laughs> this is the king who says of himself at the end of the passage that we just, just had read, Mark chapter 10, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, this man of great power, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you've got your Bibles, uh, keep them open there at Mark 10. We're going to be going a little bit before. We'll we'll, we'll jump about a a little bit as as well. But keep your your Bibles open in in Mark 10. Because as we we look at this passage, um, we should be in no, uh, no kind of doubt at all um, about the nature of the man we claim to follow. He, he serves, and his service cost him his life. That's the nature of his example. And actually, nor should we be in any doubt about what kind of life it is that pleases him. So Jesus wants his people to have hearts like he had. He wants his people to, to have hearts that then serve in the way that he served. However, what the disciples in this encounter that we just heard um, read, what they want is actually something quite different.
different. So this is the first heading for today, what the disciples want, what the disciples want. So take a look um, at Mark 10, 35 through to 37, Mark 10, 35 uh, through to 37. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. <laughs> what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Not much then, James and John. <laughs> What's going on in this passage? What's going on? Well, James and John want to be at the top of the pile, don't they? They want to, they want to be there. They want to be exalted to, to, where, G, to where Jesus is For all their fine words, they were reluctant, we could say, to serve. And they're not alone in that. If we're honest, I think that same tendency is in each one of us, isn't it? Much of us, most of us don't need to think long about an answer to that question. That tendency is is there. But it takes, and I said if we're honest, it takes honesty to, to admit that. And, and if we can be honest and admit that and recognise it, then the good news is that something can be done about it. Something can be done. What is it that gets in the way of our wanting to serve um, wholeheartedly like Jesus? Well, the context of, of this incident can help us identify some of the things that Satan can exploit in our discipleship as we, as we profess to, to walk in, in Christ's ways and to follow his example. You see, just before this incident, Mark records Jesus meeting a rich young man. A man who, like many of us, claimed to want eternal life. But Jesus could see into this man's heart. He could see right into his heart. He could see that there was an obstacle that was kind of holding him back from from this wholehearted, if you like, service uh, to, to God. What was it? It was his materialism. It was his materialism. Jesus' solution was radical action, just like the surgeon's knife. If you look at verse uh, 21 um, of uh, of that chapter, 21, uh, Jesus looked at him. Verse 21 of chapter 10, Jesus looked at him and loved him. I'll just pause there for a moment. That is a beautiful description of what Jesus is about to go on and say. We, we, we rush over this part, don't we? Jesus looked at this rich young ruler, this wealthy young man, and he loved him. He loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have, here comes the knife, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. So folks, don't be um, under any illusions. Um, wholehearted, Service of Christ and serving like Christ will cost us money. It will. And if we um, measure our lifestyles by, by shopping and uh, material gain and the size of our homes and the type of holidays we have and the type of clothes that we wear and the model of car that we drive... If that's how we measure our lifestyle, then following Jesus, then serving like Jesus, is going to damage it. It's going to have an effect. 
if we're going to faithfully follow Jesus. And part of the question this morning is are we ready for that? Are we, re- are we willing to continue to live like that? Are we willing to make the changes required that need us to live like that? Or is our love of the good life that money buys going to dull our devotion to Jesus and destroy our usefulness to him, actually? When this wealthy uh, young man, this particular wealthy young man in this passage, heard what Jesus had to say, Mark says that his face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. So here's the first thing that stops us serving like Jesus. It's materialism. It's materialism. It kills our ability to serve. Second thing is resentment. Second thing is resentment. If materialism is the first, resentment is the second. Resentment of others. Others who get a better deal from God than us. Others who seem to have it easier than us. That stops us serving like Jesus. Interestingly, Matthew's account of this, uh, this same passage that, that, that Mark um, deals with here. Um, it comes after the parable of the workers in the vineyard. So in that parable, um, you know, at the end of the day, it was, it was pay time. Those who had worked all day began to grumble and they moaned because those who had only worked part of the day got the same reward. They got the same, uh, the same pay. They, 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 they got as much as them. It seems so unfair, doesn't it? And unspoken, this unspoken calculation begins to creep into the, to, to our own minds. What's the point of years of slaving away? What's the, what's the point of it in, in this church family, slaving away with thankless tasks, taking on responsibilities that no one else wants? What's in it for me? See how that can creep into our thinking? You know, those folk over there, they started late. You know, they've not been serving in this area as long as me. They've not been doing this as long as me. And yet they're going to get, you know, the same benefits. Or, or, or they seem to have it better than us. You know, we think of it maybe like a retirement plan. You know, the person that's worked for the same company all their lives. The person that just joined and did a year of service at the end. Do they get the same retirement? That would be unfair, wouldn't it? That's how we, we tend to conceptualize it in our minds. I don't know if you remember what the elder brother says to his father in another of Jesus' parables, uh, uh, another famous parable uh, known as the prodigal son, but probably better as, a, as the parable of the two sons. Um, but the older brother says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? It's a, it's a nasty attitude, isn't it? It's an ugly attitude. Resentment. Why bother, we say to ourselves. And we down tools. Resentment is another thing that stops us serving like Jesus. Materialism, resentment. Here's the next one. Giving in to wrong pressure from family and friends. If we give in to the wrong pressure from our family and from our friends, that will stop us serving like Jesus. Again, look back to Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 29 to 30, and you'll see that just before uh, this incident, Mark 10, 29 to 30, Jesus has said uh, this to his disciples. I tell you the truth, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel 
will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, and with them, persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. Now, I don't know about you, but we often focus on the first part, don't we, here? You know, what we, what we will get, um, what we're receiving, receiving a hundred times as much. And God's generosity is definitely overwhelming. And we have so much as, you know, that, that we have as, as the family together. But don't miss the premise, the implication, if you like, of this. Following Christ might require us to leave behind families and close friends. Especially if they share a different world view to us. Not necessarily, but might. Again, in another account of this, this, uh, uh, this incident in, in Matthew's gospel, um, it's the mother of James and John who, who put the request to Jesus um, that the, these disciples might be given pride of place among the apostles. Um, Jesus nicknamed James and John the sons of thunder. Um, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, it might be just idle speculation to, to suggest that was some reflection on their mother's character, you know, James and John, the sons of, of thunder. Um, but, uh, but um, you know, it does seem that this, this woman had serious ambitions um, for her sons. And she makes them plain. That's what parents do, isn't it? <laughs> Make plain that what their ambitions are for, 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 their, for their children. But actually, they're out of line. They're out of kilter here. And the fact is that James and John needed to resist that unhelpful family pressure. It's not recorded for us directly in Mark, but Matthew tells us it is. That's probably where that pressure came from, for them to make this request to Jesus. See, even families, even good friends, can stop us serving like Jesus. Materialism, resentment, families, friends... And the desire for status. This is the big one, isn't it, in the passage? The desire for status. Where we want to raise ourselves up in the pecking order. And this desire shows itself in, in different ways because we can, be, uh, we can be, you know, generally we can be quite out there, quite pushy people, or we can be a bit more reserved. And, you know, if we're the pushy type, we, you know, we start shoving our way to the front of the queue, we start, you know, Head and shoulders up and demanding, you know, that, that we're there sort of front and, and centre, a bit like James and, and, and John are attempting to do here. But if we're more reticent, it's, not, it's a lot more subtle, isn't it? And, and actually those people climb over us and, and, and what actually happens is that we harbour internally that resentment and that, and that, and that bitterness um, when we see them trying to climb over us. So verse 41, when the apostles realise what is up if you look at verse 41 uh, they say when the 10 heard about this they became indignant with James and John and so that that spirit of service of wanting to serve kind of gives way to to backbiting to 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 bickering to, to bitterness to indignation in this passage and the desire for status just stops us serving like Jesus If we are to be wholehearted servants of Jesus, serving like him, then we need to understand and overcome these issues. We need to understand that we're reluctant. We have a reluctance to overcome materialism. We need to understand that that, that we resent those who seem to have an easy life when we seem to be busting a gut and, and, and working hard. 
We need to understand that, that we can give in to, uh, to pressure from those close to us who don't really understand what we're about and we're affected by that. We need to understand that we have this desire for status. All of these things will kill a servant spirit. It will kill that desire to serve like Jesus. And if we see even a hint of them in our lives, then we need to take drastic action. That's what Jesus is, is saying. See, what the disciples they want is status, they want power. They'd made the right noises, of course. Yes, they'd made the right noises about wanting to serve and being ready to serve. But in fact, they're looking after number one. So how does Jesus respond to them? How does Jesus respond? This is the second uh, simple heading, what Jesus did. What Jesus did. And it's actually an incredible thing to see what Jesus did and, and reflect on it. Because he doesn't crush, he doesn't step on them and he doesn't crush them, he doesn't crush their, their ambition. Instead he redirects it. And he challenges them to face up to the price that they must be willing to pay. If they are to be useful in his service. Because the truth is, isn't it, that, that, that actually the, that, that a, the self-centered lifestyle is a very attractive lifestyle, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest, it, it, it attracts us to do what we want to do. You know, when we want to do it, how we want to do it, free from the demands of others, free to look after ourselves, that, that, that's attractive to us. It, it's no good to deny that that's, it's not attractive because it is. And if we don't consider the cost of, of, of serving like Jesus, then we will balk at that, 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 that cost when, we, when it comes to pay it. You know, if we don't consider it ahead, ahead of time and how much that's going to affect us. And that cost, if you like, what's a question that I can ask? How can I sum it up? That cost, if you like, is simply summed up like this. Are we ready to give our lives in service? Are we ready to give our lives in service? To continue to give our lives in service to the king? Now, we may not be called on to do that literally and to literally die for Christ, though one day that may come for some of us. But we are called, aren't we, to die a little bit each day as we hammer these issues on the head, as we try and allow the knife to do its work in us, of self, you know, dealing with those issues of selfish ambition. And can I urge, can I urge caution as we reflect on that? Because it's very easy, isn't it, to, 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 to be glib and say, yes, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm going to go for it, I'm willing, I'll do anything. But again, if we don't consider the cost, it's just, it's just hot air. If we've not actually thought about it and considered the cost. Look at Jesus' response to James and John's request in verse 38. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can. We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink. And be baptized uh, with the baptism I am baptized with. Jesus is warning them here that they don't really fully understand what they're letting themselves in for. 
The cup that Jesus was going to drink was the cup the prophets had spoken about, that cup of terrible suffering that he would endure for a sinful world. And our uncompromising service brings us close to Jesus. And that, that closeness brings us both a, a, a cost and, and a reward. So from a worldly point of view, it's a deeply, deeply dangerous place to be. From a worldly point of view. But from an eternal point of view, from the, that perspective of, of looking into eternity, there is nowhere more secure. Worldly is a massive cost. Eternally, there's nowhere safer. And in verses 33 and 34, Jesus has warned the disciples that he's going to be betrayed, he's going to be condemned, he's going to be mocked and flogged and crucified. He is not a safe man to be around. But he also says that beyond death, he will be raised to life. And that is the promise for the servant of Jesus, for those who serve like Jesus. That is the promise, that we will be raised to eternal life. The deep satisfaction now of a life that counts for the kingdom, it's hard, yes, is followed by the glory of a spirit close to Christ for eternity. It's wonderful. In John thirteen thirty eight, then, Jesus challenges the overconfident Peter. He says... Uh, he says, um, oh, this is John, sorry. I'm getting confused myself because I've jumped to John now. So John 38, um, he said, John 13, 38, he says, will you really lay down your life for me? So, to, so um, Peter is, is saying, I'll do this. John challenge, uh, Jesus challenges it. And after the challenge comes the reassurance about the future. Uh, that we've been thinking, this is John 14. So John 13, will you really? John 14, we're thinking about it at the Queen's funeral. We were thinking about this passage at Helen's funeral as well last week. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Will you really lay down your life for me? Don't worry. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. As the Apostle Paul puts it, start of Philippians, for, me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, God always outgives us. He's already given us everything in the Lord Jesus. He's given us everything. And the more we give, it's not like the more we get, but the more we give, the more we discover the depth of that generosity that he has already given to us. And if we give our lives to Jesus for him, to use as he wants, we need not fear losing out. So again, the simple challenge to us all, will we answer the call? The simple challenge to us all, will we answer the call to serve Jesus, both inside the church and beyond and outside the church? Jesus says to us, can you drink the cup I drink? What's our answer this morning to that question? Can you drink the cup that Jesus drinks? Will you drink the cup that Jesus drinks? Have you considered the cost of drinking that cup? That Jesus drinks. So what are we doing with our lives? For whose benefit are we living them? Can we count the cost and still say to Jesus that we will drink that cup? None of us have the strength to do that alone. None of us do. 
But the wonderful thing is we don't have to do it alone. God has promised to be with us. He is with us. We don't need to go this alone. Let's move on. Verse 42 of this, uh, of this passage, back in Mark 10, verse 42, says this. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. In other words, you guys have got to reject worldly values. That They've got no place in the church. They've got no place in the heart of a Christian. Reject them. Verse 43, sorry, not so with you, Jesus says. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus doesn't just outgive us, he outserves us. He outserves us. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. The bottom line is not that we are servants of Christ, or not that we serve like Jesus. It's that Jesus is our servant. That's the bottom line for us as Christians. Jesus is our servant. He came to save us. He gave his life in our service. We were were dead. We were spiritually bankrupt a gazillion times over. Dead in our sins. But Jesus paid the debt through his death. And we serve him as as a very... Very inadequate way of saying thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for giving up everything and coming to serve us, to serve me, to save me. Again, here's our challenge this morning, slightly recast. Will we make Christ and his self-sacrifice the role model for our lives? Will we live for the sake of others? Will we live to the glory of God? Will we let the overall direction of our lives be shaped by that aim? To live for him. Will we use our material blessings for him? Our money, our cars, our homes. Will we use those for his purposes? Will we let the pattern of our week be shaped by that aim? Will we think about our diaries and what we put in our diaries and what we don't include in our diaries? In that way. Those who have the heart of a servant, God will use effectively in his service. You know, there's plenty of unemployment in the world, isn't there? There's plenty of unproductive work as well in the world. But in the kingdom of God, no one is unemployed. Everyone has a part to play. We are a congregation of ministers. And everyone with a God-inspired servant heart is productive and engaged in productive work. You may have heard of uh, William Carey. In the 18th century, he was one of the main inspirations of the worldwide missionary movement. Uh, It sprang from the evangelical revival. 
Uh, as a young pastor in Northamptonshire, he published a pamphlet known as the Enquiry, and he urged a massive revival of effort to preach the gospel around the world. And in that pamphlet, he answers possible objections against such missionary endeavor. For instance, there was the barbarous way of life that might be encountered. His answer was, it was no objection to the apostles and their successors who went among the barbarous Germans and Gauls and still more the barbarous Britons. Then there was the danger of being killed that he countered, the language barrier, the lack of supplies, and so on. Every objection he knocks over and knocks over in that pamphlet. He himself went as a pioneer missionary to India, where he spent the rest of his life. It comes as no surprise to learn that he was the man who had the motto, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. That is the bold, the adventurous servant spirit that the Lord looks for in us as his family. To expect great things for him and then to attempt those great things. And it is possible that we'll be asked to go far away from home and to serve. A bit like Johnny who was with us uh, last week and how we heard about his example. On the other hand, we might be asked to stay put and serve no less wholeheartedly. And often I think we can confuse the two and we can think that the person who goes further afield gets, you know, it's harder for them. But actually it's very hard to stay put because we need to see our families and we need to see our workplaces and we need to see our neighbours as our mission field. And sometimes when we just stay put, we're numb to that. We don't see it like the mission field. We don't, we don't live our lives on a mission footing, we could say. And either way, whether we're called further afield or, or just to stay put, we mustn't let that adventurous spirit be cramped, be crowded, be, be pushed out of our lives. <laughs> Despite what the, the giggles were at the start, sometimes serving is fun. Sometimes it's a real joy, isn't it, to serve alongside one another, shoulder to shoulder. Other times, though, it's going to be hard going, thankless and unnoticed by others. Who saw you set those flowers up? Who saw you clean the toilets? Who saw you spend those hours week after week in preparation for house group or climbers or explorers or crossover, whatever it is, whatever group? Who saw you? Jesus saw you. Doesn't go unnoticed by the one for whom it really counts. Jesus sees everything. It's Dwight Moody who said, uh, I am only one. But I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And that which I can do by the grace of God, I will do. Can't do everything. We can't do everything. We are only one. But each of us can do something in service of the king. With that simple commitment, God used Dwight Moody as an agent of spiritual revival in England um, and America. And we are called to give ourselves in uncompromising service of Christ. Do that, and we'll be able to look forward to the day when Christ says to us, well done. Well done, good and faithful servants. Well done. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came to serve thank you that you came to serve us and Lord we recognize 
before you this morning that so often we fail to understand all that that really entails. So Lord, help us to be grateful people, first and foremost. And in response, then help us to be servant-hearted people. Serving the king and following the example of the king. Lord, help us to have hearts that are ready to serve. Help us to have a ruthless self-honesty um, uh, with, us, with ourselves, to be able to see those things that are standing in our way of serving wholeheartedly like the Lord Jesus. And give us the courage and the strength to recognize that we can't do everything, but we can do something. And so help us to serve joyfully and gratefully, knowing who we are serving. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen.